Welcome to the Damascus Road Podcast. On the road to Damascus, Paul had a radical encounter with Jesus and his life was changed forever. That is what we hope and pray for here. Now, on to this week's episode. There was a time when I attended classes in a room such as this, but it is very long ago. Uh, And to start this morning, we're going to go back to that time in the early aughts. I think people say that 2000 is when I started college, so that's what I mean by the early aughts, and learn a bit about college-aged Brad, starting with some of my favorite movies at the time. Now, back in this time, movies were different. Um, All three of these movies came out in the 90s, and to kind of set, set the stage, this is like right when DVDs had started coming out and were cool, like they were on the upswing. It came out in 1997, apparently. Um, I remember that when I got a PlayStation 2, one of the big selling points was this also plays DVDs. So I was getting two expensive bits of technology for the price of one. Um, With DVDs being the king of the media space, Blockbuster Video was doing great, crushing it at the time. Uh, Fully healthy and profitable. Strangely enough, Netflix didn't exist yet. Um, Those two are related. All right, so all of these movies I would have watched on DVD, probably on the functionality of my PlayStation 2, on a screen that was certainly, that certainly was not flat and was very likely very small by our standards um, for a non-mobile screen. Um, all right, so three of College Brad's favorite movies, all from the 90s. First, Braveheart. I loved Braveheart. Uh, second, A Time to Kill. And third is Boondock Saints. If you are not aware of the plots of these movies, we will watch a clip from what I think is the least known, and then I'll tie in the other two. Now you will receive us! We do not ask for your poor or your hungry. We do not want your tired and sick. It is your corrupt we claim. It is your evil that will be shot by us. With every breath, we shall hunt them down. Each day, we will spill their blood till it rains down from the skies. Do not kill, do not rape, do not steal. These are principles which every man of every faith can embrace. These are not polite suggestions. These are codes of behavior, and those of you that ignore them will pay the dearest cost. There are varying degrees of evil. We are due lesser forms of filth, not to push the bounds and cross over into true corruption, into our domain. But if you do, one day you will look behind you and you will see we three. And on that day, you will rape it. And we will send you to whatever God you wish. And shepherds we shall be, for thee, my lord, for thee. Power hath descended forth from thy hand. May swiftly carry out thy command. So we shall flow river forth to thee, and teeming with souls shall it ever be. In nomine patri. It feely. Spirit of Sante. <laughs> so I don't know how well you could understand that due to the thick accents. Um, but in that clip, the lads from Boondock Saints are rectifying an injustice. Uh, some, of the, some of the lines in the prayer at the end, it says, And shepherds we shall be, for thee, my lord, for thee. Um, So basically, in this film, these guys are like angels of death sent by God to to right injustice. So that was a mob boss, 
um, who was about to get off because of, a, because of corruption. And um, they take matters in their own hands. They hunt down mafia bosses and other criminals who prey on the poor and helpless. And 19-year-old me lapped this up. Um, also, it was hard to get a clean clip without language from that movie, so be warned if you go check it out. <laughs> um, similarly, in Braveheart, which is probably my very favorite movie, uh, Mel Gibson's William Wallace marries a woman in secret to avoid an awful practice at the time called Prima Nocta, where the English lord would uh, essentially sleep with brides on the day of their wedding to try to control the population or something that they made up as a reason why that was okay. Um, in the movie, he fights this, or he's found out, this secret wedding is found out, his wife is killed, um, and then he fights back, and he fights that injustice first, and then all of the injustice carried out on his, his people, the Scots, um, by the English. There are many kilts, uh, war-painted faces, and Scottish accents, and it is great. Uh, and the third one, A Time to Kill, is about a man who shoots and kills the two uh, racist clan members who raped, beat, and left his young daughter for dead. It's a black man. Um, the majority of the movie is about his trial and the defense attorney trying to get him exonerated in Mississippi in the 1980s. So it's a vigilante father um, taking justice into his own hands and a young lawyer um, taking on the racist community to try, to try to change things and get justice to be done. Again, with acts of violence. So. Do you see a common theme here? Uh, when I was in college, I was apparently pretty into movies showing righteous justice with high amounts of violence. <laughs> All involved killing, revenge, and the justified breaking of laws when, they are, when the laws are in conflict with what is right and what is good. Throw in the religious trappings of each of these, most blatantly in the clip we saw from Boondock Saints, uh, and I was pumped to fight injustice. I, never, I was never really going to do it violently, <laughs> but all of these stirred something deep inside me that wanted to fix the wrongs in the world. Uh, and I don't think I'm the only one. Maybe I like the violence more, <laughs> or did at the time, but our culture seems to have a fascination with revenge in our movies. Uh, from Mean Girls to John Wick, The Revenant, the girl with the dragon tattoo, Kill Bill, we have an obsession with getting back at those who hurt us and specifically doing it in ways that make it justified and okay. Um, apparently, Ryan says Daredevil is a good example of this, um, and the TV show Dexter is one that I've watched that is also all about um, extreme and disturbing violence against bad people that justifies it. Um, so similarly, around this time when I was in college, I took what I think was the first spiritual gifts inventory that I've ever taken. Um, I won't bring up what the high scores are, but there is one that was particularly low that is relevant today, and that was mercy. <laughs> um, now, if you've taken a spiritual gifts inventory, there are a lot of categories. Some relate to specific ways you can help in a church. That's things like teaching, administration, leadership. Um, there are other categories that are kind of miraculous things. It's speaking in tongues, prophecy, miracles. And I would say all of those, it's perfectly fine to score low on. Um, then there are some that seem to apply to everyone. Things like intercession or prayer, uh, faith, mercy. Um, these are things that it kind of says in the Bible that everyone should do <laughs> or value or are listed as fruits of the Spirit or something like that that are very, very standard. Um, and I was so low on mercy when I took this, near minimum. Uh, and all this to say that college me was very big on justice and very low on mercy. And perhaps the movies I loved where the bad people were killed 
without mercy, <laughs> was a sign um, of, of how I was at the time. Now, at, at this point, I had a bit of a dichotomy in my mind that justice and mercy were at odds, uh, that extending mercy is the opposite of justice, even the opposite of righteous justice. Now, the problem is that when you think like this, it leaves you being very judgmental. Um, now, no one is going to run to the honor of the murderous mob bosses or rapists in the movies I mentioned. Um, but those aren't often the real situations that we deal with, at least with people in our real lives. Um, what about people we see living on the streets of our city? Do we think of them and their situation, do we think of it as a result of their choices, that they got what they deserve? Or what about an immigrant that doesn't speak our language well? Do we assume that they're here illegally or wonder why they don't take the time to learn English if they're in the United States? Or how about people in prison? Do we focus on them having gotten what they deserve or can we see them as a brother or sister who is in a terrible circumstance, whether it is of their own making or not, and dream of them turning things around? Can we hope for them to start a new life? And this is what we're talking about um, today and in this series, is cultivating a heart of grace and generosity toward the people around us, working to see others as God sees them, and giving them the same worth value and benefit of the doubt that we give ourselves every single day. Uh, and we are starting today with our first um, Good Southern Woman Inspired Saying, which if you look at the titles of all these, they, they all kind of sound like something a Southern woman would say. And it's called Lord Have Mercy. Um, and this will be a theme. And I pray that we as a community really commit to these messages. Having a heart of compassion and generosity is so very key to being a community that people want to be a part of. Um, it's key to our happiness individually, um, and it is a big part of a life lived with God. So to start us off with a firm foundation in the Bible, I'm going to go to one of my favorite passages. This is from the Old Testament book of Micah. It says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now that last part, Micah 6, 8, uh, is one of the places in the Bible where it pretty concisely says, here's what you should do. Three things, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Now, you will notice in this list that it says both act justly and love mercy. Uh, we are to do both, not pick between the two, uh, which I will get to a little more later. Um, also notice that we have another list of three. I started with three movies about righteous anger that were loved by college-age Brad. We have three things God tells us are required of us from Micah 6.8. We're going to cover three points about mercy with three corresponding application points, and along the way we'll watch three movie clips. We are one in, and it will take three hours. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, that, was a, that was a check on attention. See, see the look of horror in everyone's face. <laughs> Much less than three hours. <laughs> All right, let's get started, and what better way to dive in than with another movie clip. One of my favorites also came out when I was in college. This is from The Fellowship of the Ring. There's something down there. 
He's been following us for three days. He escaped the dungeons of Baradur. Escaped. Or was set loose. But now the ring has drawn him here. He will never be rid of his need for it. He hates and loves the ring. As he hates and loves himself. Smeagol's life is a sad story. Yes, Smeagol, he was once called. Before the ring found him. Before it drove him mad. It's a pity Bilbo didn't kill him when he had the chance. Pity? It was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. Many that lived deserved death. And some that died deserved life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? Do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. Even the very wise can assume ends. My heart tells me that Gollum has some part to play yet, for good or ill. Before this is over. Do not be eager to deal out death and judgment. Even the very wise do not know how it all ends. Here we see Frodo uh, wishing death on Gollum, who admittedly is a pretty wretched creature, if you've seen this or read the books. Um, does he deserve death? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, but here we see Gandalf, who knows uh, a lot of what is going on, telling Frodo, who knows very little. Uh, really what Frodo knows is what Gandalf has told him, <laughs> um, that he should not be too eager to deal out judgment. Now, J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of Lord of the Rings, um, says in like interviews, it's pretty well known, that he's not a fan of allegory, um, that, and that Lord of the Rings is not supposed to be a direct allegory. But this scene could easily be Jesus talking to us or to his followers. Um, this is from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. He says, do not judge others or, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And this is our first point on mercy. Um, just do not judge others. I think this mostly has to do with our focus and our choices of how we see other people. Um, this is hard, especially for someone like me who tends toward justice and judgment. Um, now, does this mean, if, if we're not going to judge others, does this mean that we don't call evil things evil? Uh, no, we should still call evil things evil. Uh, does it mean that we name things that are evil as good or okay or say that all behaviors are fine? Uh, it does not mean that. Remember that we are to do justice and to love mercy. Uh, we should love people and not wish for their punishment or judgment. It is certainly okay to want justice for the defenseless, to want people who are getting away with evil to be punished. We see over and over again in the Bible where God says he has heard the cries of the oppressed um, and he acts on their behalf. That is right and it is good. Righteous anger is a correct reaction to evil. We also see in the Bible in the book of Jonah, as an example, that when people who deserve judgment repent, that God is merciful. Now, loving mercy does not mean abandoning judgment, but it does mean that we should yearn for the guilty to repent, that we should wish good on them, even in their evil. Uh, and not the good of them getting away with it. That's not what wishing good on someone who's done evil means. The good of their 
what we should wish for is the good of their life being changed, of them realizing what they are doing to other people and to the world around them and turning around and making other choices, falling on their knees before God and repenting. This is the good that we should wish on them, not getting away with what they've done. Now, the issue that Gandalf points out in the clip we saw is that we don't know everything. Um, even the wise do not know how it all ends, he says. And the trouble with judging people is that we are assuming that we fully understand the situation that they are in or fully understand them. Um, that we know everything that is relevant to make a judgment. Uh, this is easy enough to see in a movie when we see like a narrative arc or see some details that a character doesn't know. Uh, in all the movies I talked about at the beginning, uh, we see characters pursuing righteous uh, justice. Um, the movie makes it very clear cut. This is a mafia boss who has ordered 30 murders and is about to get off for them. Uh, this is a rapist and a killer. This is an oppressive lord um, exploiting his people. But real life is more complicated than these stories, and we rarely have all of the relevant information to judge well and rightly. And this is why we are best when we leave the big, ultimate, and permanent judgments to God. Because God does have the information. He knows people's hearts, he knows their motives, and can distinguish a mistake or a misjudgment from a deliberate evil or exploitation of another person. And this points to the third piece of the verse of Micah 6 that we read earlier. Um, we need to walk humbly with our God. Just the simple um, element of knowing and remembering that we can be wrong in our judgments goes a long way toward building a heart of mercy. Thinking we are always right when we judge others is a problem. Uh, it often comes from a place of thinking that we are better than others or that we don't need mercy ourselves. And this is our, our second point out of three that are coming. Uh, and that is that we ourselves need God's mercy. This should be a, sitting here in church, this should be a very obvious point. Um, but it's, it's kind of shocking what the disconnect that can happen with Christians, where we begin our journey with Jesus on our knees, saying, God, I need forgiveness. I have sinned. I have fallen short. Um, being thankful and saying, well, I can't believe that God will forgive what we've done. Um, but God, thank you for that forgiveness. This is where our lives with Jesus start. Um, we say, I will live for you, God. I will follow your commands. I will leave my life of sin. Uh, we start out utterly thankful for God's mercy, for his grace and his forgiveness. Then we start changing, uh, changing for the better mostly. We leave some sinful behaviors behind us. We pick up some good practices. We're reading our Bibles. We're praying. We're going to church every week. All of these are good things, by the way. Keep doing them if you're doing them. <laughs> um, and we begin thinking, hey, I'm pretty good. Um, I may not be perfect, but I'm putting together a pretty good Christian resume. Um, and we start noticing people who aren't doing the same things that we are, um, who are still doing some of the sinful behaviors we've left behind, or who, you know, who aren't reading their Bibles or, or miss church, church regularly. Um, and we start to get proud of ourselves. We see these other people, uh, and instead of recognizing how they are similar to how we were before we knew God, uh, instead of praying that they will know God's mercy as we do, we are thankful that we are better than them. We believe that they deserve the repercussions of their actions because they're making choices that are worse than we are. It's like we want the door of God's mercy to close behind us once we enter. And I, I hope that this is not how we are, but this is, a, this is the progression of a Christian going from accepting grace to a point of self-righteousness. Um, 
And the thing that turns this inside us is what happens when we miss the third part of the Micah 6 passage. It says to walk humbly with your God. And the peace that turns humble acceptance of God's mercy into self-righteousness is pride. And I don't have a video clip for this one, so we're going to have to go with a passage from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Uh, this quote is kind of long, but stick with it. It's very good. Uh, and if pride being a sin, especially to the level that this quote is going to point it out as being, uh, is surprising or, or seems intriguing to you, I recommend giving uh, Mere Christianity a read, specifically this, um, this chapter. It does pull in things from the rest of it, but it's, it's very good on this, and it, it stuck with me. I read this in college, so uh, apparently that's where I pull all my information from. <laughs> all right, here's the quote. It says, I now come to the part of Christian morals where they differ most sharply from all other morals. There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. I have heard people admit that they are bad-tempered, or that they cannot keep their heads about girls or drink, or even that they are cowards. I do not think I have ever heard anyone who was not a Christian accuse himself of this vice. And at the same time, I have very seldom met anyone who was not a Christian who showed the slightest mercy to it in others. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have of it ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. The vice I am talking of is pride or self-conceit. And the virtue opposite to it in the Christian morals is called humility. You may remember when I was talking about sexual morality, I warned you that the center of Christian morals did not lie there. Well, now we have come to the center. According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. So pride. Uh, this is what takes our righteous anger or love for justice and can strangle out mercy. Um, in reality, there is no conflict between doing justice and loving mercy as long as you walk humbly with God. It is when pride gets into the equation that we get wrapped up into being good enough or being better than other people that mercy starts to fall away. If we stay humble, if we remember how much we need God, how we were lost and how we were sinners without him, um, then we'll be okay. We do not need to tell ourselves that we are awful or dirty. Rather, we need to remember that our goodness, our virtue, our righteousness is only possible because of God's mercy and forgiveness. And we love this mercy when it is applied to us. We depend on it. Loving mercy, as we're talking about today, is wanting the same forgiveness to be available to everyone and longing for them to accept it. And this is the crux of all kinds of the key commands in the Bible. Um, from the second great commandment, or the golden rule, they're, they're essentially the same, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, which you know a lot of people... A lot of Christians across the world say daily, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We need to remember our own need for God's mercy and never separate ourselves and our situation from other people. We need to love others as we love ourselves. All right, that is two points out of three. For the last one, uh, we will go to a video clip. This is from Les Miserables.
me to the papers. I'll sleep in the stable. Please, I'm hungry. Get out. is cold out here though our lives are very humble what we have we have to share there is wine here to revive you there is bread to make you strong there's a bed to rest till morning rest from pain and rest from wrong. Bless the food we eat today. Bless our dear sister and our honored guest. We have your silver. We caught this man red-handed. You had the nerve to say you gave him this. That is right. But my friend, you left so early. Surely something slipped your mind. You forgot. I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind? Monsieur, release him. This man has spoken true. I commend you for your duty. Now God's blessing go with you. But remember this, my brother. See in this some higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man by the witness of the martyrs by the passion and the blood god has raised you out of darkness i have saved your soul for If you haven't seen Les Miserables, you should watch it. If you don't care for musicals, there's a non-musical version with Liam Neeson. The music's really good, though, so that'd be a weird choice. Um, 
So in this clip, uh, did we see the bishop do justice? No, it, it was not justice. Um, justice would have been making Jean Valjean pay the price for stealing, although the price for stealing that we see in this movie early on seems unjust. But um, what we see here is mercy. And if you know the rest of the plot, spoiler alert, um, and I don't know if you have to say spoiler alert for a movie from 2012 based on a musical that's been running since 1985, based on a book from 1862. <laughs> if you do, <laughs> spoiler alert, um, Jean Valjean, the, conflict, or the convict in the scene uh, who the bishop buys back for God, does go on to live a good life. Uh, through the movie, he is a good man. He is the adoptive father of a little girl whom he protects and loves. He leaves his life of crime and at the end, he sings a song along with a couple of ghosts, pretty normal, um, that says, to love another person is to see the face of God. He is a changed man, and he was changed by a radical act of mercy. And this is the third point uh, about mercy this, uh, this morning, which is that mercy transforms lives. And this is the very heart of faith in Jesus. He died for us so our sins can be forgiven, so that he, he paid so that justice can be satisfied and that we don't have to pay it. And by this act, we are changed. The Bible says that we become new creations. And this is why we love mercy. This is why we should look at other people and show them mercy too. Um, justice is all about keeping order and making sure the natural consequences for actions are borne by the people who are responsible. Justice is about keeping things in balance. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That is justice. When we are moved and angered in justice, it is because uh, it is about someone getting away with evil or exploiting people who are defenseless. Um, it is reacting to a negative. Mercy is creating a positive in the world and in people's lives. It is purposely taking on an unjust condition so that another person can have mercy. Um, in the clip, the bishop is giving away highly valuable silver so that Jean Valjean doesn't have to go back to prison and can instead live a new life. When we see acts of mercy and forgiveness in movies or in real life, that is what moves our hearts. Stories of people's crippling medical debt being paid by an anonymous person so that they can move forward free. Um, parents forgiving their children who rebelled, stole from them and left home, um, and letting them back into their lives despite everything that they've cost them. Children forgiving the parents who raised them in fear and abuse instead of safety and love. Sorry. <laughs> um, this is how lives are changed. These are the sorts of stories that move us. Through mercy, forgiveness, and sacrificial love, there is power that changes people. All right, so those are the three points that I promised. Uh, we've watched three video clips. Now all that is left is three application points, and these align very closely with the three points about mercy. Uh, first one, and this is going to tie into our active reflection later, is try to see people as God sees them. 
Um, this is a practice not to judge one another. And I do mean for this to be a practice. Uh, look at the people around you throughout your day and try to think through how God sees them and replace how you see them with how God sees them. Uh, look at them with love and mercy. Similarly, you can uh, try to think of them as you think of yourself, rooting for things to go their way, giving them the benefit of the doubt, um, and ascribing to them the same level of automatic good intent and virtue that we think of ourselves with. Uh, second one, recognize your need for God. Um, this is kind of a remembering thing often. Uh, think through how God has changed you. Think of what your life would be like without God. Remember when he is close, when he has sustained you. Uh, remember the feeling of being forgiven, of your sins no longer being held against you. Um, think through walking humbly with your God. He is the author of all that is good in our lives and in our world. Uh, people can be good, yes, but we are at our best when we are living with God and his qualities are showing through in our lives. And the third one is to practice transformational mercy. Uh, this one may, may be more than a just this week or this afternoon thing. Um, but we saw an example in the clip from Les Mis uh, of a man's mercy completely changing the course of another person's life, and really a lot of people's lives with the other people that Jean Valjean went on to touch uh, in the story. So our, my question to, to all of us is, how can we do this? How can we be like the bishop in that, in that clip? Um, think through a way that we can show radical mercy or forgiveness to another person. And I would say it's easy to feel like that we can't do big things like this, um, but, but you can. I mean, it, whenever you hear a story like that, there is an actual person who made a decision to show that mercy, um, to do that radical act of forgiveness, um, or in the, the video clip, to, to let someone off who tried to, ro to rob them. Um, I think this starts with our first application point. If we see other people, how God sees them, I think we may notice more opportunities to show mercy. Uh, I would also recommend asking God to bring people into your life who you can show mercy to or even just help out and love in small ways that can have big impacts. Um, that this, this application point is as much about choosing to show mercy. If you can do a big one, great. The, the transformation is so easy to see and so powerful there. But if you choose to be merciful uh, and forgive people and love people in small ways, um, those small things often turn into the big things or have a much bigger impact than we know. All right, uh, that's... That is my three application points. Uh, I pray that we would all see other people with God's eyes, that we would see them and love, with love and mercy. And I'm going to close with one last passage from the Bible and kind of compare this to our opening skit about how long to, to hold a grudge. And this is, this is probably the real answers. <laughs> all right, this is from Colossians. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you um, that you forgive us, Lord. I thank you for your mercy, uh, and I pray that you would help us to extend that to the others around us. I pray that you would help us to see others uh, through your eyes and to love them, Lord. I pray that we would know the joy, um, the gratefulness, uh, and the satisfaction that comes with being people who love mercy. We love you, God. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen.
Thank you for joining the Damascus Road podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus together by being with God, loving everyone, transforming people, developing leaders, growing new ministries, and changing the world. You can find out more about us online at damascusroadtucson.com.